It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome into the Sports Objective. I am Dave Richmond along with Bubba Rosenbaum. How are you, man? Doing well, Dave. Hope you are. Absolutely got one of my all-time favorite announcers. Not every day you get to one of your heroes growing up and you can watch him on just about anything. Of course, he's award-winning for Emmy Award winning, uh, he's a host, he's done it all, an author, uh, a speaker, he's done it all. Bob Rathman, how are you, sir? Gentlemen, it is good to be with you. Trust you're doing well during these uh, strange times, but good to see uh, everybody's healthy and feeling well. Yeah, one of the reasons uh, we actually started doing Facebook Live was the very fact that the three guys have already been doing social distancing. We live in three different towns doing a show together. <laughs> Uh, and then we started this a few weeks ago to give fans a chance to, I mean, what else is there to do? I, that was one of the things I was going to ask you out of the gate. How are you doing? Because we miss you and all the great announcers we watch on um, just on a nightly basis on TV. Well, thanks for asking. Uh, we're fine. Uh, the whole family is here at home, so we're doing great. Uh, staying healthy, just itching to get back like everybody else is. Uh, they've kept me pretty busy. Um, we've had a ton of, uh, zoom conference calls, uh, not only for the Hawks, but also for Fox sports Southeast, uh, just to, you know, keep the interest up and keep our fans engaged. Um, like just about every other network is trying to do, uh, since we don't have live sports to put on the air. So, uh, we've, we've had those zoom sessions and, just trying to stay busy, just like everybody else, and uh, waiting for the games to begin again. That'll be great. And, 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 I was just uh, say really, go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. I was just going to really say real quick, Bob, we'll talk a, bit, a little bit later about the NBA and hopefully some kind of plan we'll talk about later in the interview. But, Bob, I know you wanted to uh, – you've got a special treat here for Bob. Yeah, that's what – um. Obviously, Bob, you got your start in Rowan County. Um, you, you're growing up in Salisbury, and baseball's huge around here. Uh, so, with, with that being said, I mean, you had the opportunity to um, to call the action at Catawba College, uh, where the Rowan County Legion team played. And so, just talk about that and getting the opportunity to do that at the young age of twelve. Well, growing up in Salisbury. It was, um, you know, it was a great time to grow up in that town. Uh, that's right where it all began, right there, Newman Park. Oh, yeah. And if you look to the left of the screen, right next to that little dugout press box that I um, that they used when I was doing it, um, if you look, well, this is the shot from from right field, but down in that corner. Uh, is where we, yeah, there it is. If you look just right down, uh, to the first row behind the screen next to that little pillar, uh, press box there, that's where the radio was done. And that's where we broadcast the Legion games from right there. They later years, they built a press box on top of the roof, but, uh, that's where it all started for me. Uh, I was 12 years old. I, I don't know what possessed me to do it, but. Uh, called the radio station, WSTP, which was just like really on the other side of those trees that you see. Um, and the announcer on duty, a gentleman named John Bolser. 
answered the telephone and uh, I introduced myself. I don't believe my parents prompted me to do it, to, you know, to make the call. I just kind of picked up the phone and called him. And he said, well, if you like it, come on down. I'll give you a tour of the radio station. And so he did. And that turned in for me to an every Sunday ritual where I would go hang out at the radio station. And one Sunday, the sports guy showed up and said, well, if you love sports and you love radio, help us broadcast these American Legion baseball games. And I said, well, sure. And I did what 12-year-old kids would do. You know, I'd go get the guy Coke and a hot dog and try to keep score and some stats and stuff like that. And then that first summer, he said to me right before a game one night, he said, are you ready to make your debut? And I said, well, I guess I am. And I got the microphone in the bottom half of the seventh inning. And our first baseman, uh, a fellow named Joey Brown, big left-handed hitting first baseman, got in the batter's box and hit one out, and I got to call it. Wow. And I don't remember what I said, but the announcer, and I'll tell you his name in a minute, uh, the announcer gets the uh, microphone back at the top of the eighth inning, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, he said, I've been waiting all season to call a home run. And when we hit one, I've got some 12-year-old kid on the mic. And that was Marty Brenneman, who just retired. Oh, man. Yeah, he just retired as the uh, longtime Hall of Fame voice of the Cincinnati Reds. And he was just getting his career started. He graduated North Carolina and uh, worked uh, briefly in High Point uh, at the TV station, uh, but came to Salisbury to do play-by-play. He did Catawba. He did the high school games. And we had, as you know, Bubba, uh, then as now, uh, one of the best American Legion baseball programs anywhere in the country um, dominated uh, wow. North Carolina Legion baseball, playing for state championships. And uh, the legendary God rest his soul, he just passed a few weeks back. Joe Farabee was our coach. He was also the head coach at Pfeiffer. And uh, it was just magical. Um, you know, then there were five high schools in the county. There was Salisbury in the city, and then there were the four county schools, northeast, south, and west. And by legion dictates, you could only take so many high schools to make your team. And there was a certain attendance uh, threshold that you could not go over. So for many years, uh, we could not include South Rowan because it was a big enough high school that put us over the top. But we could include Stanley, like North Stanley High School. So Joe's kids got to play. His boys got to play Legion Ball. But a lot of South Rowan kids didn't have a chance to play, which was a shame because we we would have had South Rowan, but we could not take them. I mean, this is back, you know, in the 60s and 70s. It's all changed since then. But that's that was what uh, got me going uh, in this. I worked at that little radio station uh till I left town to go to Norfolk, Virginia. And I also got to write for the newspaper, the Salisbury Post. And, and that was great because I got a journalism background and I got the radio background at the radio station. So uh, it really just all sort of fell in my lap and uh, was a lucky young man. And by the time I was 19, I was on the air full time and I worked full time at WSTP. And I went to Catawba uh, as a day student uh, full time. And then I worked all day and, and did the games at night. So, it was it was great, and so that that picture of Newman Park really brings back a lot of memories. 
Hey, and Bob, I didn't want to interrupt you, but uh, you talked about the hot dogs at Newman Park. I don't know how they were back <laughs> in those days. I can only imagine they were just as good, maybe even better. Who knows? But uh, I know growing up, going to Legion games there and Catawba games, they had some tremendous hot dogs with just the best chili. Yes, that that has been a longstanding tradition at, at Newman Park. The Legionnaires who ran the concessions uh, for the games. I mean, we're talking – the reason the games were on the radio back then, guys – was because the team was so good, and the whole town uh, came out to support them. And, you know, this is at a time in North Carolina uh, when minor league baseball was dying out. You know, uh, and I know, Dave, you appreciate uh, baseball history in the, in the Tar Heel State. You know, this was the, uh, the state for minor league baseball. Uh, when you go back to the, you know, the 40s and 50s, but by the late 60s, things had started to turn, and baseball was dying out uh, in the, at the minor league level. And all these towns, uh, like Salisbury, Lexington, Thomasville, now you name it, you just go right, right through the state, they all had uh, their own minor league teams. Well, they started to die out uh, yeah. in, in, the, in the 60s. And the Legion team was so good that it sort of supplanted you know, the, the minor league team. And so it got to be the thing to do. And and people in Salisbury and Rowan County packed that little ballpark every night uh, that we played. And wow. so for the Legionnaires, I mean, they are making money hand over fist. And the concessions were rolling and everybody got like two or three hot dogs a night. And uh, it was great. I mean, it was the place to be. It was the thing to do. And because the teams that we played were all so close, you know, you go to Concord and Lexington and Thomasville and whatnot, you know, everybody went to every game, you know, um, the team would charter a bus and the fans would all drive and they'd pack the road ballpark. So uh, it was it was great fun and uh, a great time to grow up and just had an absolute blast. So I had a quick follow up. Uh, you cut your teeth on baseball. Uh, so when was the first time you had the opportunity to call basketball? Well, you know, it's funny. You, you do it all the at the same time. Uh, you don't really think much of it. Uh, there's football with high school and college in the fall. Then you just go right into basketball, then right into baseball. So one just led to the other, just like guys, you know, the kids used to play all sports all the time. Uh, so too for the broadcasting that we would just go from one to the other. So it, uh, I would start, uh, when I was full-time at 19, I started in the fall, uh, and I was assigned Salisbury high school, uh, the FM station, uh, that we had did the county and they did like a game of the week, but I did every Salzburg game. So I would start and do the football season uh, and then go right to basketball and then wait. Uh, we didn't do high school baseball because the games were on like, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon during the week. But uh, once we got to the uh, summertime, Legion took over and then it was, it was all Legion from there on out. Hey, I wanted to ask you, Bob, while we have a chance talking about your career, is there a, sport you haven't called or certainly one that uh, your favorite is i know that's probably like me bubba and i have children and somebody would probably ask us what our favorite child was it's probably <laughs> not a good thing yeah um uh, the only one that i've missed is the nfl i have not called the national football league game preseason or otherwise would love to uh, i've always enjoyed pro football and uh, just haven't had the opportunity but I have called an NHL game. I've called, uh, obviously, the NBA, Major League Baseball, uh, college athletics at the highest level. So uh, I've been blessed. I, you know, if I never do an NFL game, that's just fine. I've had a lot of fun, more than my share, and uh, I appreciate all the opportunities that have come my way. 
As far as uh, Raycom, I had another question for him about Raycom is a big mm-hmm. part of my childhood growing up and certainly up until recently. And now with, I know with the transition to the ACC network on ESPN, uh, do you have any favorite memories, crazy stories you can tell us uh, that happened during that time uh, that maybe the, the fans would like to know? Well, it was um, it was a big point of pride with me because um, growing up in North Carolina, as I did, you know how uh, how much everyone cared about ACC basketball, uh, and to this day, I mean, uh, it, it's huge. You know, um, the conference was a lot smaller back then. You know, we right. had you know one time we had seven teams. Uh, right. Added added, added Georgia Tech, and then added Florida State, and got to nine and. Uh, you know what happened with the expansion in the later years, but it was so much fun for me because as a kid growing up, uh, when I was in Salisbury, uh, we had a guy when I was in high school who worked at WSTP. Uh, his name was Leo Morris. And I don't know if that name rings a bell with you. His son was a columnist for a long time. Ron Morris was in Durham and Columbia and Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his dad, Leo, was the voice of Wake Forest and Duke. Now he was he their family's from Wyoming. And they would come to Salisbury because Leo would be the Wyoming sportscaster of the year. And he would come to the award ceremony for the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers and Salisbury. fell in love with Salisbury and got a job at WSTP with uh, he was like the sales director and did play by play and moved to Salisbury. Oh. And he became the voice of Wake Forest. He he replaced Gene Overby uh, back in mm, early 70s, I want to say, somewhere around there, 72, 73. And, um, and because I was working with Ron at the newspaper, uh, they needed somebody to help with the stats. So when I was a junior in high school, I got to go to my first ACC tournament. Crazy. And – the weird thing about that was it was the night of a North Carolina, South Carolina championship game. And it was the last basketball game that South Carolina played as a member of the Atlantic Coast Conference. They beat the Tar Heels, won the championship, and left the conference that spring. So my relationship with the ACC goes back a long way. So it was a real hoot for me uh, to do ACC games, and I'm proud to say that I've done them now for 31 years. And uh, wow. and just have loved every second of it. You know, the coaches, the players, uh, the TV people, you know, uh, all became lifelong friends. Uh, and that I, that was such a, a great thing for me. And I still love it. You know, we're still all of us stay close. Um, and we've been all together for 30 some years and we're all in touch with everybody all the time. It's it's great. Talk about getting to know the likes of a Mike Shashevsky or a Dean Smith or a Gary Williams back when Maryland was in the ACC and some some of those um, tremendous coaches and also personalities. Well, it was a league of personalities. I mean, um, you just go right down the line, whether it was Lefty Drizel at Maryland, uh, you know, uh, Bones McKinney at Wake Forest, uh, you name it. I mean, we had you know, Norm Sloan and Dean and – you know, first, you know, um, you know, at Duke, you know, we knew Coach K before he was Coach K. Uh, people think that, you know, time began when when he took over as the head coach at Duke. But, you know, they had uh, with Vic Bubas, 
they went to three Final Fours in four years. Uh, yeah. You know, never won it, but Vic had great teams. And, of course, later, you know, Bucky coached him and was my partner forever on ACC games. Um, you know, you think about Wake Forest. I'll never forget when I was working with Leo keeping stats, we went to Clemson. And Jack McCloskey, you know, who later became the general manager of the Pistons and uh, was a great college coach, Jack was coaching Wake Forest. I mean, this is a thousand years ago, guys. And we go to Clemson and win. And I'm like, you know, I'm a high school kid. And we're walking out because we drove. Leo and I drove down. And the team's going back to Winston-Salem. And Jack McCloskey puts his arm around me. We're walking out of Little John Coliseum. And he says, Robert, let's get out of here while the getting is good. And, you know. <laughs> Just things like that that you remember, you know, as a kid. And, uh, yes, sir, coach. And, uh, you know, we won on the road. It was great. So uh, a lot of history and a lot of uh, a lot of great people. I mean, from, uh, you know, Skeeter Francis, who, you know, ran the ACC office uh, forever, you know, just a lifelong friend. I went to school at Catawba with his son. Um, just so many memories, so many great players and great teams and great games. Um, it just, it was fabulous. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame in a way for us old codgers that, you know, the ACC is not like it used to be, you know, uh, it's different. Um, you could argue whether it's better or not, but, uh, it's different. You know, I, I get assigned to a game pit Notre Dame and it's like, you know, okay, but it's not an ACC game in my heart, you know, uh, you know, give me, Wake Forest and Clemson, you know, that's that's more of, of an ACC game to me. Very exciting time. And uh, certainly I know with uh, – I want to ask you as far as uh, one of the teams, obviously I think you're sporting one for the Hawks here, the shirt, but uh, certainly the NBA is a big deal to me. And uh, uh -huh. I'm wondering about the scenario I'm hearing. I know it's probably rumors, but the NBA – having heard it again today at work, people were asking me. I was like, I don't know. I'm just a guy that does a – a local podcast, but they were asking about the scenario of uh, the NBA playing all the games without fans at Las Vegas. Uh, is that something you think can happen or what are you, what are you hearing? Yeah. Because you're more of a big wig than me. Yeah, no, I'm not a big wig and I don't have any inside information, but I will say, Oh, we have some friends that have come downstairs. I thought the all door right. closed. Uh, hello everyone. We, my wife runs a dog rescue and uh, looks oh, like cool. one of our fosters has made it. So, um, I may have to uh, make sure everything's okay before we have a dog fight down here. <laughs> we got a new one. But, uh, that would be a first on the show. Really. I think that uh, one of the big keys is rapid testing uh, for the players. They could probably do it pretty quickly, but I think they're worried about the PR hit. They want to make sure the vast majority of Americans have that available. But once they get the rapid testing and they they can tell in 10 or 15 minutes if you're OK, I think that is really going to open the gates, not only for the NBA, but I think for Major League Baseball, for um, hockey, uh, ultimately the NFL uh, to get going again. We won't play with fans. That's that's not happening. Um, and maybe not until calendar year 2021 until uh, a vaccine is available. But that said, I know they're itching to get back. They want to complete the season. I think Adam Silver, our commissioner, um, is going to do everything in his power to see that the regular season finishes and we have a normal, as normal a playoff as you can have. 
We might go to two sites. We might be Orlando and Vegas and put the East teams here and the West teams out there. But they, they, they definitely want uh, to resume. They don't mind waiting till August to restart if that's what it takes. Um, they figure they could probably do it in two months. They'll probably push back the start of the next season until Christmas. Uh, and I think, hey, I told you we were going to have a fight. Cool, guys. Um, I, I think that uh, I think one of the big things is the longer we wait to start next season, the better chance they've got of having fans. Because if they can wait till Christmas, you know, they'll roll with the time frame that they can get a vaccine or at least treatment um, and, you know, testing and maybe have everybody's temperature checked as they come into the arena. But they, they want to play with fans. All these sports do. Uh, yeah. you know, NASCAR and PGA, you know, they can pull it off. They don't, they don't have to have it to resume, but the rest of us, you know, it, it's playing in empty arenas and empty ballparks. And, you know, I have no idea what college is going to do, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, something I think the NBA is pretty portable. We can move around. We can do some things that, uh, that maybe other leagues can't kind of getting back to college and not as far as COVID-19 is concerned, but um, I know I'm putting you on the spot with this question. Uh -huh. just, um, thinking back down through the years, um, what are some of the top games that you had the opportunity to call? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> you know, I get, I get asked that often, as you can imagine. It's a great question. But I, I think back to the our 60, win, our 60 win season. Let me grab this guy. One second. Come here. Come here, buddy. I'm going to show you the noisemaker. All right. This is a little fellow that we just got. This is a little oh, bean. Look at him. Yeah. And he is a he's a foster for us. As I said, my wife runs a dog rescue called Rescue Me Georgia. And this was uh, turned into Canton, Georgia, at uh, Cherokee County about uh, two weeks ago. And uh, we took him. He was abused. He's about five years old, believe it or not. But he is coming around. And he is very protective, as you could tell, with his bark in the background. Um, so this is Bean, and Bean's going to make his debut on the podcast. But I oh, often, I often, Bubba, get asked about that. Um, and I, I can't really pick one game. I can pick moments of games. But the best stretch was the year we won, we, the Hawks, won 60 games. Yes. And uh, – in that, we, we won 19 consecutive games. I mean, that's almost a quarter of your season. Unheard of uh, in the NBA. Uh, we went unbeaten in the calendar month of January. That has never happened before or since and probably will never happen again. I mean, just to go, I think we were 16-0 in the month of January. It's just unbelievable. We had all five starters named players of the month. We you oh. know, had four guys make all-star coaching staff. So I would say, you know, that that was the magic carpet ride of all that. That was the most memorable. And it wasn't like I say, you know, it wasn't like we had buzzer beaters and stuff like that. But it was just that incredible feeling when you go to the arena every night and you feel like you're going to win, you know, and that's rare in pro sports, uh, particularly on the road. But they had unique chemistry. Uh, they really were good. They were fun to watch. And, I, you know, that that probably was the highlight so far. Oh, we got another friend. 
Yeah, this is Mackenzie. She wanted to see your dog. She loved my dad's a veterinarian, so oh, okay. There you go. Oh, that that's Bean, Mackenzie. Hey, Bean. All right. There you go. He, oh, look, Bean's waving to you. Can you wave to Bean? Do you can't do your hand right there? There you go. All right, baby. <laughs> now, Bob, what about on the college level? Whether it, some of the ACC and SEC battles you've seen over the years? Well, I've had the chance to do three. Number one against number two in the country. They were all Duke Carolina games. Uh, I did three ACC championships. Um, you know, I had a chance to do the NCAA tournament with CBS, and that was great fun. Um, did a four-overtime game between State and Wake, which is the longest game in ACC history. Um, you know, there were all kinds of highlights. I mean, just – and and not only games that I, I broadcast, but games where I was just there, you know, just happened to be working – uh, stats or what what have you, you know, to to be in the building with David Thompson winning the national championship with NC State, you know, uh, incredible. You know, things happened that year that will never happen again. You know, NC State never left the state of North Carolina to win the championship. Yeah. I mean, that would never happen. And they played two of their games on their home court. I mean, that's stuff like that would never happen again ever. Uh, but they won the ACC tournament in Greensboro. Uh, the tournament field was not as big then. So they went right to the Eastern regionals and th- that was played at Reynolds Coliseum. Crazy. <laughs> and they won those two, you know, David had the big fall in the pit game and came back uh, and they won it, went to the final four, beat UCLA uh, and, and uh, stopped the great UCLA streak uh, in the semifinals and then beat Marquette for the championship. But I happened to be in the building, you know, the state Maryland game, uh, for the ACC title in overtime, wow. the greatest ACC game ever, and don't let anybody ever tell you any different. That was that was unbelievable, unbelievable. Without, yeah, Bob, that was out, but uh, without any shot clocks and no three pointers, Bubba. Yeah. Well, that score, oh, yeah. what was it, one hundred three, one hundred? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great game. Both teams shot over fifty percent. Uh, low turnover. It was it was a classic. And remember that only one team, the conference champion, right. uh, could go to the NCAA tournament. So we had two of the top three teams in the country, in the country, Maryland and NC State, and one of them was going to sit home. And Maryland, so distraught, turned down an NIT bid, back when the NIT was a big deal. They, they just couldn't – they could not put themselves back together after losing that game. We talked about how you cut your teeth on baseball at um, Catawba College with the um... – Rowan County Legion team. Um, I was a huge Braves Braves fan. Excuse me, growing up. And so, just talk about that opportunity to uh, call the action for the Braves. Right, I guess right in the heart of their uh, 15 consecutive um, division titles. Well, thank you. I I did the Braves for 10 years. Um, the streak ended <laughs> last year, but uh, wow. I mean, every night, you know, we did a Fox package. You know, the Sports South package. Uh, every Wednesday night until my last year when we when we took over the full thing like you see today. Uh, but we did every Wednesday night, and we knew that whoever pitched the preceding Friday was going to pitch in our game. His turn would come up on the following Wednesday. So we, we, we would wait and see. Guys, chill. Uh, we would wait, you know, and see who pitched on Friday night. So we knew the next Wednesday we would get Greg Maddox. We would get Tom Glavin. 
We would get John Smoltz. And to watch those guys in their prime just completely dominate uh, the National League was a thing of beauty. I mean, we Maddox had a game. Uh, I forget who it was against now, but struck out 16. And the game took like two hours and two minutes. And it was like, this is just a masterpiece. And he would pitch one of those routinely. Uh, you know, what John Smoltz could do because I was there watching his transformation from a starter to the bullpen ace um, to back to a starter. Uh, Glavin, unbelievable. Uh, you know, watching Chipper dominate, become an MVP. Andrew Jones, um, as great a defensive center fielder as I have ever seen, and probably one of the greatest in baseball history. Um, amazing uh, how he could not only the, the arm, but the speed and just it, just uncanny defensive prowess. So we really, it was great. And, and they dominated. It's a shame they only won one World Series. Uh, they went to four of them in the 90s and only won one. Uh, probably should have had 96. You know, when you go up 2-0 and you win two in their ballpark and can't close it out, that was tough. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 91 comes down to the last 91. seven game and stuff like that. So uh, they had their chances, but uh, a dominant team uh, t- takes nothing away from their dominance. And uh, it was great fun. Bubba, thanks for asking. Bob, I had a question, too, a sidebar as far as Major League Baseball and, and your neck of the uh, well, close to your 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 uh, roots, if you will, in North Carolina. Yes, I know the commissioner was talking about uh, adding two expansion teams a couple years ago at the All-Star game. And he mentioned Charlotte. He mentioned uh, potential cities, Charlotte, uh, Montreal, and Mexico City. Do you think Charlotte has a chance? It won't be anytime soon with the problems in Tampa Bay and Oakland with their stadiums, he said. But do you think Charlotte actually has a chance to get a team? You know, whenever we recover, you know, in a year, two years, whatever the case may be, um, and somebody's got a big pocket full of money, uh, their chances go up exponentially because what I think is going to happen, not only for baseball, but for NBA, these owners are looking to recoup these losses. And one way to do that is to uh, have a couple of expansion teams. And, you know, two or three years from now, there's no telling what the expansion fee will be because that money goes right to the owners and uh, they don't have to share it with the players and that will help ease the pain that they're going through right now. So I think for all these cities, uh, the opportunity uh, to get an expansion team, not now, but in two or three years, is going to go up exponentially. But the biggest thing, the biggest driver to your city getting a team is to have somebody with deep pockets that wants to wants to own a baseball team, that's a base, baseball fan. Uh, it's not going to be done by a conglomerate. Uh, they've shot away from that. There's just too many problems with too many voices, you know, pulling um, somebody that's just want, you know, I'm a billionaire and I'm a baseball fan and I want to have a team. You, you got a chance to get a team. So like a David Tepper who uh, has a Charlotte major right. league soccer team and the, and the Panthers. Exactly. 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 Or uncle Bubba's uh, a Bubba, your rich uncle. Maybe he can do it. Yeah. What Rick? What rich uncle is that? Uh, I wish I certainly wish I had one. <laughs> exactly. 
uh, Bob, as far as uh, what what do you have coming up? Uh, we obviously want to watch you, and uh, we're thinking about you and all the announcers right now. Some of them are friends that are freelancers who are having mm-hmm. a tough time right now. But yeah. uh, what do you? Uh, I know you're more fortunate than they, but what uh, what do you have well, coming not, up? <laughs> not really. I'm an independent contractor too, so uh, we haven't been paid since the middle of March. So uh, we're yeah. all hoping that we can get back. Um, I do feel for my camera guys and my tech guys because, you know, the guys who are here in Atlanta, you know, this is their full-time job because they go from the Hawks to the Braves to college sports, and they're used to working 120 to 150 events a year. You know, when you when you mix in college, uh, Georgia Tech, Georgia, uh, plus all the Braves home games, 81 of those, uh, 41 Hawks home games, uh, yeah, that's a lot of work. The, the soccer team here, Atlanta United, that's another 10 to 15. So I, I'm with you, Dave. It's this is painful. And this is money they're not going to get back because when we come back, we're not coming back to Atlanta. We're coming back to Orlando or Vegas or whatever. And hopefully the baseball will be played in their home parks, uh, even without fans. So s- some of those guys can recoup some of that money uh, working in baseball. But I'm just on hold like everybody else. And as soon as they blow the whistle, uh, we'll be back on the air. I think we'll do it remotely. Uh, I think Nick and I, Nick and I will do the uh, games remotely from the studio here in Atlanta. Uh, but when that is, how that is, not sure. We'll find out. All right. Bubba, I know you have a uh, last question for Bob. Yeah, Bob, I was going to ask you about, um, while we're on baseball, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, Leo Mazzoni, obviously the – famous pitching coach for the Braves back in that era. Um, Josh Rudd, a guy that I follow on social media, he does a tremendous job of uh, talking to various college and professional coaches, uh, players, and so forth. And uh, he was talking to Leo Mazzoni, and Leo had some tremendous stories talking about those excellent pitching staffs that the Braves had. So do you, um, in your dealings with the Braves during those years, and did you have any stories about Leo or maybe someone else that maybe came to mind? Well, you know, Leo was great. Uh, I mean, what a job, you know, to be the pitching coach with those guys. But uh, I, I just so loved spending time with Bobby Cox. I mean, he was he was my kind of manager. He was uh, loyal to his players, never criticized them in public, um, always had their best interests at heart. Just a wonderful human being. And just to be around him every day, just the, the steady hand on the wheel, was great. I remember asking one time, I said, uh, I noticed Bobby that, uh, we don't have any music in the clubhouse here, you know, certainly not before the game, but not even after the game. I said, why is that? He said, well, Bob, he said, you know, baseball is kind of funny in that, you know, your pitcher might have a great game. Uh, your starter might get bombed. Your one player goes four for four and hits two home runs and wins, where somebody else goes 0 for four and gets punched out four times. He said, so everybody, even though you won the game, uh, everybody has a little different take on things. And so if the guy who went four for four and hit the game-winning home run selects his music that might not go over so well with the guy in the locker next to him who went 0 for four and got punched out four times, he said, so we just decided no music. If you want to listen to music, put on your headphones, he said, because th- that's something that'll make guys angry. 
they'll get upset. So then we don't need that. So just no music. And it was just, to me, it was just such a great leadership lesson that, yeah, you're happy you won the game. You're happy the pitcher did great or the guy hit the game winning home run. But what about the guy who kicked a couple for an errors and, uh, you know, struck out three times? You know, he was thinking about those guys, too. Just a terrific leader. Bob, I know you've been generous with your time. What an honor. And uh, by the way, can you give the information again for your wife's rescue? My dad's a veterinarian. And so uh, we're I know Bubba loves animals, too. And so we'd love to help you out. there. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, it's Rescue Me Georgia is the name of it. And the website is Rescue Mega, M-E-G-A, Rescue Me Georgia, RescueMega.org. And uh, you can learn all about it, uh, all volunteer. Um, you know, just trying to find these little fellas and find them homes and, and, uh, they do good work. So thank you for asking. Thank you so much. And, uh, what an honor to have you on and love to have you back on again soon. Well, when we get playing again, you call me up and let's do this. We'll talk All about right. some games. <laughs> that would be great. Thanks, man. Appreciate okay, you. Bob, so much. Bob, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Appreciate you. See you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Great stuff there from Bob. Appreciate him very much. Uh, Bubba, what a great, great guy. And uh, I didn't know about that about the rescue, obviously. So uh, very cool for his wife. And we'll uh, put that information up on our social media to help her out. We'll try to do that um, at some time after the show. Now we're going to segue to football and bringing back great memories. Gosh, this guy was a part of legendary. Um, yeah, I was talking about Damn right I was. Damn right I was <laughs> He's a legend, legendary fan for sure. Uh, but now, Bubba, we've got a very special guest, a guy that we think a lot of, and uh, I know you reached out to him, and I'm glad you did. Absolutely, and very excited to have former South Carolina quarterback and East Carolina assistant coach Phil Petty on the program. Phil, welcome in. Ah, thank you guys for having me. Absolutely wanted to have you on. We've been reminiscing. Exactly. I mean, you know. Uh, <clears throat> definitely a different way of Phil has connection issues. There we go. Hey there, Phil. Can you hear us? Try rotating your phone, Coach. I'll do that if we can. He's saying rotate your phone if you can, Coach. I don't know if you can. Phil, if you can hear us, try try landscape. Well, we're having – uh, hey, Kyle, uh, welcome in, and we'll get uh, Phil here. Phil, can you hear us? I don't know what there. We'll see if he can uh, turn the – definitely the camp. There we go. Let's see if we can get him. There, he's fixing it. Hey, Coach, can you hear us now? Yes, I got you. All right, cool. Uh, welcome into the show, the Sports Objective. We were – I was getting ready to say that we right now don't have any sports, as you know. And so we've done a lot of reminiscing, and uh, certainly we love the uh, Skip Holtz era with the time you were there with Coach. And uh, first of all, uh, can you give us a kind of a how did you uh, how did you come across getting the job? Can you talk about coming to East Carolina? Yeah, no, I I um, so I was a graduate assistant in South Carolina, and uh, obviously played for 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 Skip and for for Coach Holtz and. Um, he, as soon as he got the job, you know, offered me a job to come be the quarterback coach. So, obviously, I was excited about that. So, um, took the job, and Greenville's a, Greenville's a great place. It really is. 
Phil, going back to your days at South Carolina as a player, uh, playing for Lou and uh, yeah, I guess it was your OC, I guess. Um, talk about uh, talk about playing for, for those guys and how you built that relationship with Kip from a player and then a GA. Yeah, uh, well, Coach was tough to play for. I'll be honest with you, man. Co- uh, you know, Coach Holtz is uh, he's uh, very uh, his expectations are very very high and. Um, so you kind of know that going in, um, but you don't understand it until you go through it. Um, so, but you know, playing for playing for Lou, playing for Coach Holtz, I say, but um, it was uh, it was very tough. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of a love hate relationship. Um, you know, you, but you know, with Skip, he was always the good cop. <laughs> so. You know, he he was always kind of on my side and stuff, but uh, um, it, it was a uh, man. We we turned it around at South Carolina. Um, you know, we had you know one really bad year his first year, and then had two really really good years. Um, and you know, really the biggest turnaround in college football history at that point in time, and and then beat Ohio State two years in a row. So um, I'm very proud of that. So. It was uh, is a very kind of a weird time, but you know something I'll never forget. Uh, great experience. You guys went to a couple of Outback Bowls, didn't you? Yeah, we went to Outback Bowls and beat them twice. Also, this so um, this is very unorthodox on this online stuff, man. I've been doing lately, so this, I'm not used to this. But yeah, go ahead. No problem. That's what um. You talked about those years and how you guys turned the program around. I remember taking an unofficial visit. I remember it was 1999. You guys uh, gave Florida everything they wanted, but came up a little bit short. Uh, but um, just the Gamecock fans, just tremendous the way that they talked with you guys during that, what, 20 or 21 game losing streak. And um, they were certainly rewarded with those 17 wins in two years. And I guess what, 2000 and 2001. Yeah, no, we, we listen. I mean, we, I mean, my heart, I grew up a South Carolina fan, so it's, it's never been a question for me. Uh, where I wanted to go to college, I was recruited by everybody. Um, and we have, you know, as good of a fan base as anybody in the country. Um, so, you know, even, even we were 0 and 11, there were still 80,000 people there. So it was, it was, it was very rewarding just to, just to have that kind of support. Um, um, so no, very, very, uh, it's, it's, it's a great university and I think coach Muschamp is doing a great job. Um, and I think, I think people are underestimating what he's going to do in the future because I think he's, I think, I think the best is certainly yes, yet to come. Phil, um, skip the job in December of 04. And, uh, if I remember right, you were on his initial staff, um, Shankweiler was his first OC. I guess Skip may have actually been calling plays. If you were a quarterback coach, something you don't see that often, particularly in those days where the OC isn't the quarterback's coach. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, I love Shank. <laughs> well, I call him Shank. Um, yeah. he's, he's, he's a great guy. Great, great football coach. Obviously, has spent a lot of time in Greenville. Um, and, um, no, he's, 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 he's a very, very intelligent football coach. Uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick, who I think is back there now also, that both those guys I worked with, and they're both great football coaches. Um, but, 
you, you know, I think I was blessed to have James Pinkney in my first year. Uh, James was a very talented quarterback, uh, had a little experience under his belt. Uh, he could throw it a mile, and he was he was willing to absorb coaching, uh, which is what you want from great players like that. So, um, but you know, I, I, I was you know I was pretty fortunate in that situation, and so we had we recruited well early, um, and then golly, we we you know, won two conference championships and had a had a really good run there. No doubt about it. When you look at, uh, I was talking about that, but if you look at the 2008, that 2009, those teams winning back to back conference championships. Ironically, that's the last time we've won a conference championship. You would think with pirate football that we would have won one or two at least. Uh, but it's hard to believe coach that, uh, that it's been a drought since 2009. Well, I, I have. And I'm not just saying this. This is, you know, I, I don't have a dog in the fight anymore, so I can tell you this. They've they got a really good staff, really good head coach, really good staff, and uh, the right parts are in place. Um, we were fortunate to get a couple of really good players, especially on the defensive line uh, when we were there, and then we had good skill guys. And um, But uh, yeah, they can compete with anybody, um, and – they know that, and people know that. Everybody knows that. I mean, heck, they beat they've beaten South Carolina several times, you know. And so it's it's they've beaten a lot of people. And so we, I know when we were there, we beat you know Virginia Tech, West Virginia when they were ranked in the top, you know, fifteen. And so it, they'll 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 get it back there. Uh, and I think the right guys are in place to do that. No, absolutely. I want to talk to you, Phil, about while you were here. Quarterback coach, then uh, and then eventually you move to tight end coach. There seemed to be a change in the offense when Skip first got here. Maybe it was out of necessity because of what we had, but when when Skip first got here, it seemed like we were doing a five oh six. Seems like we were doing a lot of full wide stuff and getting him shotgun and kind of kind of being wide open, kind of kind of kind of more toward what college football is now. And then uh, the next couple of years. A lot more conservative on offense, getting under center, running the ball more. Uh, was that just was that what Skip would rather do? Is uh, is be more conservative on offense, or was it just that our defense was so damn good while risk turning it over? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. I think you know, coach wants to be. I mean, Coach Holtz, and I say Coach Holtz that that means Lou. Um, and then I think just. Learning under him, I think Skip was was a little conservative at times, but at the same time, he allowed us to open it up a little bit. And then Todd, you know, Todd Fitch came in, uh, who I have the utmost amount of respect for, who's a very very sharp football coach. Um, you know, when when Todd came in, he he he, you know, kind of tweaked things here and there. Um, but but it was here here you know that the thing you have to understand is it's. You know, from the outside looking in, it may it may look different, it may look the same, uh, but it, in reality, it's it's basically doing. You know, you, you're you're adjusting your offense to the strength of the players around you, and you know, at different different years there, we had we had different talent, different positions offensively, and so what you do is you tweak things um, to their strengths, and and you. You try to give them the best chance to be successful, um, and you know I truly think that you know between Skip and, and Todd and myself and you know Donnie Kay and Shank and all those guys, 
I mean, we spend, <laughs> we spend more time, you know, trust me, than, than people realize uh, going through all that stuff and, 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 and trying to give those guys a, a chance to succeed. So um, I think we did that. And, uh, and, and so I don't, I think necessarily it's, it's not necessarily a change in concept. It's more of a, just a change in, in talent and where, where your talent is and, and, and trying to give them a chance to succeed. Me and Bubba were talking the other, were talking the other day, I believe it was um, Friday or Saturday, about the 07 game at UTEP, the, uh, the miracle in the mind shaft as we uh, dubbed it. Uh, well, what do you remember about that game where uh, Cass throws the, the Hail Mary to send it into overtime and then uh, we beat uh, the Miners in overtime? I remember seeing Juarez. That was about three miles away. <laughs> and I was like, thank God I'm in his press box. But, no, um, it, uh, that was a hell of a game. Um, you know, my price says they, 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 were, they were good guys. Um, we were actually pretty close to some of those guys on that staff. And that, that was a hell of a football game. But, um, yeah, to go out there and get the win was pretty special. Um, that's a long travel. I think we got back at. I don't know. Golly, it was, it was, it, the sun was up. I can tell you that. Um, so it was early in the morning. We got back from that trip, but it was a, man, it would have been a tough, tough loss, but it ended up being a, a really great win. Coach, I had a question. Uh, speaking of 07, one of the highlights, certainly I think of the Skip Holtz here when I think of uh, you guys is that uh, big win um, against Boise State in Hawaii. Can, I mean, that was a tough game for you to go to Hawaii, right? I mean, that's got to be a tough assignment. <laughs> yeah, staying on Waikiki Beach for eight nights is that's a that's a, that's a, that's a bad assignment. Yeah, it really is. Um, no, we we enjoyed the heck out of it, man. We uh, stayed to Sheraton, uh, Waikiki Beach, eight nights. Um, I remember I was right uh, a couple doors down from Junior Smith, yeah, the, the, one of your great running backs and one of my good buddies who was our running back coach at the time and. Uh, it's a heck of a guy, but um, so you know, it just what a, what a great trip. I mean, goodness, if you if you're not playing the national championship, what better bowl game to go to than the Hawaii Bowl? You know, and it's so Agreed. it was uh, very rewarding. And they were actually picked to beat us, and uh, had a had a very good coaching staff, very good team at the time. And um, but it uh, you know we 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 were fortunate to come out on top of it. Yeah, you're talking about Boise State being projected to win that game. Uh, the poll that ESPN had, I want to say, what was it, Kyle, like 98.5 or 99%? And, yeah, it was like 98 or 99% to get uh, Boise to win and cover. And, of course, they, they were coming off um, that victory over Oklahoma um, in the Fiesta Bowl the previous year, so that was absolutely a huge program. Yeah. No, they had a, they had a very good team. We were we – were, um, I mean, truthfully, we were very concerned. Um, we we felt like their their skill guys were better than ours. Um, but again, I think that the defensive line that we had uh, and, and 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 our ability to to pressure and hit the quarterback um, really is what kind of you know really really caused us to prevail in that game. So it's it's uh, you know we had we had we had good players up front guys that played in the NFL for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I think that was that was definitely the difference in the game. 
coach. Your last three years, you spent coaching uh, tight ends. Um, in my opinion, I don't, don't want to say underrated, but maybe not as appreciated as he probably should be. Is Devon Drew? Um, what a tremendous tight end he was. He got an opportunity in the pros, and uh, he uh, just going back and watching some of these old games over these last uh, several weeks. Um, you had an appreciation for everything Devon Drew did. Devon Drew is one of my favorites. Um, it was a pleasure to coach him. Um, he was a high school quarterback, came in uh, as a quarterback, and was about to – well, Skip was – I mean, he was he was about ready to get rid of him, to be honest. Um, and I said, let's wow. just give him a home. You know, and I, and I when I moved uh, – when, when Skip moved me to tight ends coach, and I said, I'll take him, you know, any day of the week. And, um, and he ended up – working his butt off and gaining some weight and, um, you know, really bought into the system and, and what he, what I told him he could do, <laughs> what he, you know, and, and um, he, uh, you know, God, I think it was a fourth or fifth round draft pick and uh, to the Ravens and he ended up having a great career at East Carolina. And, but what a, I mean, it's, it's guys like that uh, and Jason Halter, um, who also was a tight end at the time. I mean, it's, it's guys like that that, you know, that make uh, make coaching very rewarding. Everybody, about yeah, coach. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. I, I just had a quick follow-up. He mentioned the name Jay Conhalter. Uh, Jay's actually in broadcasting now with ESPN3, and he's a good friend of ours, and he's we have him on the show uh, quite a bit uh, during football season especially. Well, I can tell you this, there's um, there's no greater person um, that I could have ever coached uh, or, or that I'm friends with. Uh, he is he he is the epitome of a great player, great person, uh, his work ethic, everything. Uh, he had he had he had very good talent. And um, but that's that he, he, he Jay's one of those guys that makes coaching fun. And, uh, you know, he's he's the type of young man that that you know, you want your, your daughter to marry one day. I mean, he's just that kind of guy. And um, so he's, he's, he's one of my all time favorites. No doubt coach, as far as, uh, can you give us any, uh, I know we're a family show, but can you give us any like coaching stories, think funny things that happen? We, uh, of course, I'm really coach uh, close to coach Harold Robinson. I'm from Williamston. So um, I know there are a lot of great coaches and pranksters on the staff. Uh, can you give us any stories that uh, that would uh, we can have some fun with here tonight? Uh, well, I love Harold Robinson, by the way. So if he's watching this, I love Coach Robinson. He was one of my favorites. Um, you know, at East Carolina, I mean, I can give you all kind of Coach Holt stories, Lou, Lou stories. But at East Carolina, one of my favorite stories was this. All right, so we, we get our ass beat by Marshall at Marshall. We shouldn't have lost the game. We come back. We're in the coaching office. We have our staff meeting on Sunday mornings. Well, you guys know Drew Steele, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Legend. All right. So, so, so Drew. So we're sitting there, and Skip's just—he's just ripping, you know, everybody's butt, which he he should have because we just got beat by a team that we we, we probably should have beat. Um, and we come back, and I, I thought he's just going to fire the whole staff or whatever. Well, we get a knock on the door, and right in the middle right in the middle of uh, Skip just ripping everybody's butt. And we we get a knock on the door, and I'm sitting beside HUD, Greg Hudson at the time. 
and HUD he's like hit me on my my leg, and it's Drew still opening the door on a Sunday, and he goes, "Hey Skippy, I got bagels." <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like he comes in. <laughs> And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, man, we're all going to get fired. We're done. Blah, blah, blah. We just lost the marshal. And it puts it all in perspective. It really does. It puts it puts life. It puts coaching. It puts everything in perspective. But he literally knocked on the door, opened the door, and said, hey, Skippy, I got bagels. So it was – it uh, calmed down everything. And, you know, it was – it was uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Difficulties there. <laughs> Phil sounds awful funny there. <laughs> Phil, you with us? Yeah. Phil, can you hear us? I got you now. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. For, for all a right. minute there, for a minute there, uh, you, you see. And it got off. We got a message there from somebody. Yeah, Phil, uh, Alice is tuned in from Myrtle Beach uh, down in your area. And uh, she actually uh, said, this message came in first and says, um, we lost Phil. We'll have Phil back in a moment. Yeah. yeah I, had a couple, I had a couple questions about some specific games for him if he comes back. Uh, but, one in particular. But yeah, they were wanting him to do, apparently he does an excellent Lou Holtz impersonation. Oh, wow. Can you do your? Can you do your yours, Kyle? Oh, well, you know, I will wait for Phil to come back and we'll compare. Okay, all right. He said that he has a lot of Coach uh, Holt stories, and so hopefully he can share one or two of those with us as well. In in addition to his impersonation of Coach. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, tell you what, these technical difficulties, man. I don't know. Sometimes technology. Sometimes you need to go old school. We just need to. Get back to the way we used to do it. We didn't have all the problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We had well, time for time you have uh, technical difficulties. We appreciate you guys. Uh, by the way, while we have a chance, Bubba and Kyle, we're very excited about our sweepstakes that we've got going on right now for season tickets. Ladies and gentlemen, it's never been a better time to get your football season tickets. We will have a season. We don't know when that season will be, but we're going to play those games. Go ahead and get those tickets, ecupirates.com, 1-800-DIAL-ECU. And, uh, but we're giving away two, a pair of tickets, man, to the to 2020 season. We got Coach Houston, a great staff, great players. It's going to be a great year, and I'm excited about it. I tell you, the one great thing about this COVID experience has been the fact that when we do have sports again, we're going to be better fans because, God, I miss it. I don't know about you guys. I miss it really bad. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, as you said, they were giving away a pair of season tickets. Uh, go to our Facebook page. Uh, you may be on there now if you're watching our live stream, but, uh, if not, go to our Facebook page and you can find out how to win, uh, those season tickets. There's several different ways you can have chances to win, uh, 2020 season football tickets for power football from the sports objective. And yeah, of course we miss it, uh, Dave. It sounds like. Maybe uh, Major League Baseball is working on starting the season around 4th of July without fans initially, and then uh, gradually, um, hopefully, adding fans as the season goes. Um, so it uh, looks like the owners have signed off on it. There's some language in there the players may not agree to, it sounds like. So there probably have to be some negotiations in terms of 
the way the money's going to be divvied um, right now uh, with uh, playing a partial season. But uh, it looks like MLB may be returning in July. Uh, Bubba, have you heard anything from Phil? Are we going to get him back? I have not. Um, kind of, as far as what you're saying about baseball, though, I saw so just what you're saying uh, that we're going to play approximately like 81 or 82 ball games. So half, half, of, half of the if the players if the players have got to agree to it first, guys. That, that's right. I'm yeah. saying if that ends up happening, yeah, and it's it's no guarantee. Um, uh, there's some language in there that I some things that I don't think they're going to agree to, and so we're going to have to see if they're uh, going to be able to work that out. I mean, God knows baseball has gone on strike during a regular season. So it wouldn't be nothing for him to strike now. <clears throat> Johnny, Johnny Johnny chimes in with, uh, I know I sent it to you guys. I don't know if you had the opportunity to watch it. He says, while we wait for Coach Petty to hopefully return, uh, what about the Cliff Godwin video today? And uh, did you guys first have the opportunity to watch that? I did not. not I'm working. Medor told me he was working on that the other day. said it was going to be special. Uh, yes. I'm assuming it was. It absolutely was. Um, Cliff Godwin definitely did an excellent acting job and um, portrayed some of the more extreme pirate fans at Clark LeClaire. Um, th- those fans who were <laughs> those fans who were passionate, but uh, allow their passion to get the best of them at times. But what they called it was Lloyd Christmas goes to an East Carolina baseball game. So he. <laughs> So he walks up to the ticket office there right outside the stadium and says, hey, uh, I got one in the jungle, one behind the plate. And then so it goes back and forth between him being in the jungle and then him being right behind the plate, um, just saying stuff like, um, let's see, I know when he was in the jungle, he was like, yeah, 130 pitches, um, no problem. He, he has a couple more innings in him. We, we'll leave him in. He's only at 130 pitches. and. And then uh, when he's behind the plate, um, I had him doing the purple and gold cheer. Uh, he had had, um, I guess, maybe Brian Dilday or one of the megaphones. And so it, it was pretty good, uh, kind of making fun of of the more extreme, passionate Pirate fan, but in a in a positive way. Does, the, does this fan ever give y'all's nerves? It's always a woman. It's a, come on, Pirates, come on. That's all she come on, Pirates. The whole game. Come on, come on, pop. Be down three touchdowns. We're talking about. Come on, Pirates. Just want to shut up. Just, just shut up. Did he do her? He should have did her. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to see that yet. It's been a busy day for me at uh, work. And Kyle's back at work. So now we, we got two out oh, yeah, of three. Yeah, we need Bubba back. Good, dude. Yeah. So um, anyway, that uh, you were talking about baseball, basketball. Uh, with NBA looking like that's going to be a reality. We'll see how, when that plays out. Bob was saying in the first half, uh, uh, Kyle, uh, that it looks like maybe they could wait until August and they'll do it a couple months. And then, um, I was going to ask Bob too that uh, there's a lot of people the with NBA, a theory of, yeah. NBA season starts again in October. I mean, they're waiting until I know August. What they're gonna, to me. Yeah. What they, I know they, what that's correct. But what they're going to do if they do that is they would push the season back to Christmas day. And that's when most people start watching the NBA anyway, is that big matchup they always have on Christmas Day. And so that's, uh, I think that's a great idea. Uh, certainly would be great as a way to, uh, definitely get the season in. They want to get the season in. 
Uh, makes perfect sense. He was even saying the Eastern teams in Orlando, the Western teams in Vegas. I haven't heard that one yet, um, but that'll be an interesting thing to see how that plays out. See, they're talking about all this crap still, like Eastern teams in Orlando, Western teams in Las Vegas. Blah, and, and when I hear stuff like that, I just keep going, man, we're not going to play college football. If they're still talking about that for grown men millionaires uh, in August, then that makes me wonder if we're going to have student athletes, 18, 19-year-old kids who some people don't consider adults, student athletes ain't getting paid, if we're going to play college football this fall. And and uh, when I hear crap like that, that the NBA is talking about August and Las Vegas and Orlando and no fans, and I just keep wondering uh, more and more if, if college football season will be in the spring or, you know, if we do play college football, if it'll be without fans just for the TV revenue. Uh, but viewers, if you have not uh, seen that video with Cliff Godwin, we we retweeted it at the Sports OBJ, and uh, it's at ECU Baseball. You can see it there as well. But uh, I was just checking to see how many retweets and so forth that it has. It has close to 500 likes now, guys, and 90 retweets, and I'm closing in on 10,000 views. Good deal. By the way, we give a shout out to Johnny Gardner um, as well. We need to have him on because of Billy Beer. Uh, it's been very uh, popular, and I know Bubba, he's a fan of the show, and certainly especially that when we moved over to um, having more stuff on Facebook Live because of COVID-19. So I want to give him a shout-out, and uh, we definitely uh, – we can have a Billy Beer in our hand, can't we? Uh, um, but certainly want to give him a shout-out. And all the businesses in Greenville, Pirate Nation, um, we're thinking about them during difficult times. And uh, whatever we have. Yeah, Uptown, right? We need to get Johnny. He's the expert uh, But Uptown Brewery, right, Bubba? I believe that's correct, yes. Um, so I want to give him a shout-out. And uh, Heath, those two guys, and maybe we can have them on uh, here pretty soon. That would be really cool. And um, definitely, uh, if you get a chance, get your – I know they have six-packs. They have all kinds. I don't want to get into all the – I'm not an expert on Billy Beer, but I know they a lot of people like it a lot. And um, I'll try one very soon. I have to say that uh, uh, I haven't had a chance – I haven't had it. I'm assuming, uh, by what, by the way it's marketed is probably a, so, uh, Johnny, is it a lager or a pilsner? What is it exactly? Cause I'm assuming by the, by the way it's marketed, it's more like a, a Budweiser or a Miller. So I'm assuming it's a Budweiser, it's a pilsner or lager, maybe. Yeah. We'll have to see. Uh, he, I know he's on with us so on Facebook, so we'll see if he can. Help us out, and uh, maybe we can get him on uh, for sure um, as well. I, I guess we're having technical difficulties still with uh, Phil. Um, have you heard back from him, Bubba? Phil said he is sorry that his phone died, but he's going to be rejoining us here shortly. Okay. Okay. All right. So, again, uh, great stuff from Phil. We'll have him on in just a little bit. News, guys, coming on Fire Football. Uh, we had a defensive tackle. Uh, highly recruited guy uh, that was going to be academically ineligible and hit into community college. But hey, some good news coming out of COVID-19. Uh, these kids can get waivers now. That's right. So he will be part of the 2020 class and will be eligible immediately. Wow. That is great news. And certainly we've uh, lost some players. on. But, you know, when Coach Houston was on, the one good thing uh, about that is the very fact that we can have that and uh, we, I think he said, what was it six to ten players that we have uh, more coming on? Yeah, um, certainly. Yeah, and this is uh, this is part of the 2020 class, Dave, and this will be uh, 
round seven, I believe, uh, defensive uh, defensive uh, lineman freshman. So uh, that should bode well for the future. No doubt. Good to have Coach back on with us, Phil Patty, if you're just joining us. Uh, Phil, can you hear it? Yeah, sorry guys, my phone died. <laughs> so I'm trying to, but uh, we're staying. This is I got some family in town. We got a, we're at a condo here, so but we, uh, but I'm back. Yeah, no problem. We appreciate you rejoining us. Yeah, and I know Kyle, you wanted to talk to Coach about some classic games. Yeah, well, we had we had a request uh, from some people towards Phil. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, you were mentioning that Marshall game in '07. That you guys lost, that uh, you, you were scared Skip was going to fire the whole damn staff. I can't uh, hear anything. Oh. Can you hear them? See if they can hear, see if they can hear y'all. Can you hear me, Coach? I can, yes, I can hear you now. All right. He was, uh, he's can you hear me? Hello, Baba. I got, I got you, Kyle. See if Phil, see if Phil can hear you. Coach, can you hear me? Yes. Baba, ask him about the 06 game. At UAB, where Philip Henry fumbled. I can't, I can't hear. Okay, uh, Kyle was wanting to ask you about the 2006 game down at UAB and game game two uh, when we were coming back late against those guys and we, we had that uh, we had that uh, fumble there at the very end. I'm getting I'm getting about every other word. I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting about okay, every. Oh, no problem. No problem. It's just, that's just technology. Um, Kyle was asking about that 2006 UAB game uh, where where we nearly came back and won, but unfortunately um, got it stripped there at the five-yard line. About, I guess it's about the one for what was it, a touchback against the Blazers. You're about the touchdown. Uh, do you have me, Phil, where you can – we're asking. He was asking about the uh, UAB game in '06, about how you guys um, almost came back. Thank you, Bill. I'm, I'm getting like every other word. I, I heard UAB. I heard, yeah, I heard UAB. I'm sorry. Try rotating your phone, Coach. Yeah, well, but I've got to keep it on my charger because it went down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, golly. Ask it again, Bubba. I think um, he can hear you now. Kyle, what were you UAB, want to know? I can tell you this. There weren't that many people there. Um, the damn Philip Henry fumble. I just, I just with memories was, uh, of that, how heartbreaking it was. They they, they always had they always had good teams. Um they um I don't, I don't know. Can you guys hear me or no? Yes. Okay. Yes, we can. Cool. Yeah. All right, perfect. Um yeah, they always had good teams. Um really good defense. Um had a really good quarterback, actually, when we were there too. But um they, uh, you know, they, those were always, golly, that, that, that was a tough, tough road trip because, I mean, literally you're playing in a, in a stadium, you know, that big and they're just, they oh, no, people show up. And so the guys, it was hard to get them, you know, where they needed to be, you know, to, to get jacked up and play the football game, uh, which is what you want. Um, and so that, the UAB was always kind of a thorn, um, I, I, you know, that's a team. Uh, you're supposed to win. You're supposed to beat them, but if you don't, everybody's like, "What the hell happened?" And it's 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 not a it's not a good team to play. It's always you know kind of like Navy. I mean, we played Navy. Up, uh, I think my first or second year there. Um, you know, it's a team you're more talented. You know, whatever. But shit, they you know they they chopped us and 
and, and beat us to death and, and, you know, end up winning the football game. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those games you just, you don't want on your schedule. It's Coach, turned out a tough one. Yeah. I said a moment ago, uh, Coach, um, Kyle mentioned right when we got you back that Alice Williams is uh, tuned in in Myrtle Beach, and, and she is the aunt of one of your teammates, Tommy Hill. And uh, so, ah. so, so Tommy Hill uh, said that you need to do your Coach Holtz impersonation. <laughs> I love Tommy Hill. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Yeah. Uh, Tom is one of my good friends. Um, you know, I, I, I can do coach Holtz, but it's, it's, you know, it's probably not going to do it today. Um, but I actually called in. I, it's funny. I called into the, uh, uh, we were playing, uh, two years after I got out of coaching, East Carolina was playing North Carolina and I called in and, and literally did the Dr. Lou and, uh, so many people, responded and said, I'm so glad that Coach Holtz is still following the program. <laughs> and so it, it was like, it, it was totally me. But everybody was like, yeah, I'm so glad he's still following the program, even after Skip's going to South Florida, blah, blah, blah. And so, it, yeah, it was pretty funny at the time. But, uh, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll give it to you at some point. But <laughs> okay. uh, What about uh, – you said uh, when we had Joan earlier, you talked about Lou Holtz and about some stories. Can you give us a classic story on Coach Holtz? Oh, man, uh, tons of them, um, tons of them. Um, you know, he was, like I said, I loved him and hated him at the same time and probably vice versa. But, um, man, there was, uh, you know, our first spring practice, I'll tell you this. So, all right, I'll give you a little loop. Here it goes. All right, so our first spring practice at the University of South Carolina, he comes in and the spring practice, our first, you know, before the 99 season, uh, the year, before, you know, we went 0-11. Um, he comes up, he, he, and we were out there, and we're just practicing our ass off. Everybody's running around. Everybody's trying to do the right thing, blah, blah, blah. And he does his whistle, and everybody goes running over to him, and, you know, we all thought we'd been doing a great job and all that. And this is, this is true, y'all. This is true. So, so the very first spring practice, he says this, he says, one thing's for certain. You come to the University of South Carolina for one of two reasons. A, you're a loser. Or B, you just like surround yourself with other losers. And that's the first thing he said to us during spring practice. I mean, it was, and, and, and we were, we thought we'd been doing like a great job. You know, everybody's busting their ass. Everybody's trying to, you know, impress the coach and staff, the whole deal. And that's, that's the first thing he said to us. Um, I got a million stories, but I, yeah, we're not going, we're not going to go there. <laughs> you can hear me, but his, his Lou Olson is really good. So, he doesn't, he doesn't overdo it at all. I don't yeah, think he, he can. Was- I don't think you can hear uh, Kyle feel that he was his own point and that um, you do your job is not over, overdoing. Kyle was saying you don't overdo uh, Lou Holtz. Oh, uh, what now? He, he was saying that you did. Uh, Kyle said you can't hear him, but he was saying that you do a great job. You don't overdo Coach Holtz with your impersonation. 
Trust me, I, I was around him a long time, so too long. Uh, what, uh, one question for you, Phil, for the coach, uh, for all the, uh, after coaching, what are you doing now? I've been in medical sales for the last uh, 10 years. Wow. So you went from literally from the, from the conference championships to medical sales? Yes, sir. Well, certainly, uh, I know you have a lot of great memories and uh, definitely would love to have you back on. Uh, it's been a lot of fun catching up with you. You always wonder where do the coaches go, how they do, and we thank you for all your hard work. And certainly, uh, when you have tough times like we've had the last few years, we've done a lot of reminiscing about why can't we be like that, you know, the, the wholesale or the rough and me meal, um, the times there. And uh, it's been really tough for us, five straight losing seasons. So hopefully we can um, – one final thing, how do you feel about Coach Houston, Mike Houston? I think he's a hell of a coach. I think he's going to get it done. Um, like I said, you know, Shane, Donnie K, those guys are back. Um, you got to recruit. You got to get the good players. It's, it's funny how, you know, uh, great players make great coach, make, make great coaches. And it's people don't realize that. Uh, there's, you know, you can sit here to your, you know, blue in the face and try to draw up plays and all that. But it's amazing how you put the ball in a, in a guy's hand that's, uh, better than the other guy and he makes a play happen. And I remember we were playing uh, North Carolina at home. Uh, we threw a screen pass to Chris Johnson. You guys will remember that name. Um, oh yeah. And as soon as, he caught, as soon as he caught the ball in the backfield, me and Todd Fitch were sitting beside each other and we said, he's gone. And he went, uh, I don't know, 60, 70 yards, something like that. Uh, he was the fastest player on the field. So it's amazing, you know, what great, uh, great players they make. They make great coaches. So it's uh, got to keep recruiting. Um, uh, obviously, coaching does have an impact, does have a difference uh, for a lot of different reasons. But uh, you, you, you got to get those horses, man. You got to you got to you got to have the, the guys on the field. And uh, I remember we were playing. Uh, I'll tell you this this quick story. We were playing Arkansas. Was it Arkansas? Yeah. After, in the Liberty Bowl. And uh guy that recruited me, actually, when I was coming out of high school, was one of their, their coaches. And he came up and he said, you know, those those three or four guys on your defensive line, when they put their hands down, they look like the guys in the SEC do. Um, and, you know, that was that was true. <laughs> um, Jay Ross, Linville Joseph, uh, missing one. C.J. Um, Wilson. C.J. Wilson. C.J. Uh, Wilson. Yeah. And th those guys were – Heck, a couple of them maybe still. I know Limbo's still playing, but um, you know, you get those those kind of guys, man. It it uh, it changes the game, and and that's what that's what. Uh, it wasn't just them; it was it was everybody. But um, but though that's what you got to have. You got to have you got to have good players, and um, they'll recruit. They'll get it done. I have a lot of faith in that staff. I'm, East Carolina will always be my second favorite team. Uh, obviously, I grew up the Gamecock, but that place is special to me. Uh, really, really had a, a great, just a really, really, really great five years there. Um, people were very good to me. I have lifelong relationships, and I wish them nothing but the best of luck. And I think this is this staff will get it done. Um, I really do. Phil, with you being right there in Murray Beach and, and brought up recruiting very quickly before we let you go, uh, what can you tell us if you have the opportunity to see Mason Garcia play? 
Mason Garcia, the Mason Garcia. Oh, uh, from uh, Carolina Forest, right? Yes. Yes. He's a really good player. Um, I've never seen him play in person. I will tell you that. Um, I, I saw you know Luke Doty play in, Luke Doty play in person, and uh, I think he's going to be pretty special too. Um, so I think it was kind of uh, probably a little bit overshadowed by that, but I think, I think the guy that you, you know, that he's Carolina got is a, he's a pretty special player. Well, I know coach Houston was saying, uh, by the way, Phil, I've heard him say off the record that, that, uh, that with the Holt Nailers, with Holt Nailers and then Mason Garcia quarterback position for at least six years is going to be really special. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. No, you guys, and listen, there, there's a there's a history there. I mean, you know, you got you, you know, it, 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 we've we've always had really good players there. So it's it's um this it's no surprise to me to to see another quarterback following his footsteps, uh, and come to East Carolina and and um, yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys have had great college careers and then went on to play in the NFL. So I mean, it's it's uh. That's no surprise, no surprise at all to me. Well, I waited for the last question of the night for you to be the toughest one. East Carolina is traveling to Columbia to play the Gamecocks. Who are you pulling for? <laughs> That's an easy one. You know that. Uh, but like I said, I, I love the Gamecocks. Yeah, my, listen, South Carolina always be number one in my heart, and, and, and East Carolina will always be number two. I mean, it's it's that's just the way it is. I had five special years there, and, and – uh, I understand Greenville and the town and the people and how much they love sports and, and football in particular, but uh, it's uh, it's a great place. It really is, and uh, I pull for them every game. Yeah, maybe not that one, but every other game. Well, I'm just giving you a hard time. Coach, thank you so much. Again, we appreciate you so much for everything you did for East Carolina, and uh, hopefully you'll come to Greenville and uh, see a game with us very soon. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, that's Coach Phil Petty. Appreciate him very much, and uh, sorry for the technical difficulties, yeah. but that's uh, Coach that's Petty. Uh, Coach part. Petty brought to, brought to us by HughesNet. <laughs> uh, certainly, is something going on there with uh, internet TV. connection. <laughs> uh, kind of like back in the day with the Sports Illustrated Super Bowl phone. Uh, uh, back in the, the 80s, for sure, when I was growing up, they used to give those things away. They were god-awful. But anyway, that's a whole other uh, show for sure. Do you guys have anything before we go? I'm fresh out. All right, how about oh, you, you Bubba? Anything? All right, no, remind no, you, I'm... folks. Uh, well, I want to remind two things. Uh, Bubba, I know we got um, Bubba, <laughs> Bubba's banging his head on the wall. That's right. Uh, head banging music. We play some quiet right right now. Anyway, we're gonna um want to remind you folks that we have the sports objective sweepstakes for season uh, tickets for football. Uh, you can go above. Explain that promotion. I'll let you do it. It's your baby, so I'll let you uh, explain that first. Yeah, take a look at the ticker down at the bottom of the screen. If you're watching this right now, if you're listening to this on the archive, um, all you have to do is follow us on Twitter at the Sports OBJ. Or go to our Facebook page and um, either place is the pin tweet or the pin post. So definitely check that out. And it, it tells you the four different ways that you can enter. And remember, so 
you can if you just want one entry, then great. If if you want to put your name in the hat four times, then you have the opportunity to do so, and uh, definitely go on and uh, check that out. Um, in addition to, to to following and subscribing, um, you you can uh, prove where you listen to the show that you subscribed uh, on TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, wherever it is you listen, and um, that's another way to enter. And also, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel and um, show that screenshot either on Twitter or on Facebook. And that's another entry. So put your name in the hat four times. Um, those four ways and those four ways are outlined on Twitter as well as Facebook on the pinned post. And also, uh, fans, we have a great show on Thursday night, Bubba. And Friday we have trivia, but Thursday uh, is going to be very special. Yeah, we do. Um, we'll be taking a look back in the 1996 Miami game, 31 to six game. Um, Pirates were victors in the Orange Bowl, and so um, that night we'll be joined by the likes of Tabari Snoop Wallace, who is doing such great things in education now. Um, down at West Craven High School, in addition to Tabari, um, we'll jo- we'll be joined by uh, Larry Shannon, and then. Um, at least probably one or two others um, throughout the night and not at all at the same time, but they'll join us for 10 minutes throughout the hour and a half or so that we're watching that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, again, Friday night trivia, we've got that. And then Bubba, we got some other uh, guys coming up on the show that we'd love to mention too, that in the next few weeks that we're working out, right? Yeah, we do. Um, We'll be, in the final week of the month, and we haven't nailed down the date yet, um, but we'll be getting that to you shortly. We'll be joined by the head basketball coach of the Pirates, Joe Dooley, and uh, we'll also be talking to some some others from the basketball world, um, and Jamie Shaw, who does an excellent job covering recruiting, and so we'll have him on to talk about some of the top prospects for the 21 class and guys that the Pirates are uh, hopefully in on and maybe bringing to, bringing to campus to to help better this basketball program. All right. So we'll be having that. Folks, join us again on Thursday. Obviously, you can listen to this podcast uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Uh, we'll have that as well. And, of course, this is archived on our Facebook uh, page and on our YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much for Bubba Rosenbaum, Kyle Barber, of course, Coach Bill Petty, and the uh, play-by-play legendary voice, Bob Rathman. This is Dave Richmond. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Night. Go Pirates. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.